invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation 21. We're going to look at a few different passages today. I'm diverting from our study of Mark uh, this week to put a, a final touch on our missions conference. We're going to be thinking uh, broadly about what is God's mission in the world? What is God doing in the world? What's, what's going on in this world with this world? And I want to read a couple of passages and keep your finger there in Revelation 21. Uh, but the first passage that I want to refer to is not Revelation 21, but the other, at the opposite end of the Bible, back to the very beginning. Genesis 1.1. You don't have to turn there. Just a one simple verse that most everybody's familiar with where it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Just take note of that. That's where it all began. In the beginning, God created heavens and earth. And now we come uh, to the end of God's word. And where, as before, we saw the beginning of things, here's where it all ends. Revelation 21, 1 through 5. And, of course, there's more to it than what we're reading here. But this gives us a flavor for it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He is making all things new. Do you know the story that you are in? Sorry to, for you English teachers, end that sentence with a preposition. You're not supposed to do that. But I'm doing it anyway because I think that's the best way to say it. Do you know the story that you are in? Do you know the story of this world? Why is the universe here? Why are we here? Why is there anything at all? And where is it all going? And will it ever end? And how is it going to end? And what is the meaning and purpose of it all? What is God doing? Now the world does have a story. There is a beginning. We've read about it here this morning. There is a middle. And there is going to be an end. Even though we're in the middle of the story now, at this moment, we do know, as we just read, how the story is going to end. So the world has a story. Uh, we can look at it another way, use a different metaphor. Your life is a journey. Uh, have you ever set out on a journey uh, not knowing where you're going? I mean... Probably not. That would be kind of silly to set out on a journey and not know where you're going. I guess some people do that. They set out west, maybe, uh, going for a, for a trip, and wherever the road takes them is where they're going to be. But most people don't do that. Uh, if you set out on a journey and you don't know where you're going, you'll never know if you've arrived. And if you're on a journey and you don't know where you're going, what the end destination is, you'll always be lost because you 
You're not going anywhere. So how can you know you're where you're supposed to be? So life is like a journey. It's important to know where you're going. And if you know where you're going, you'll have a better idea of how you're going to get there and what you need to be doing along the way. This is true of us as individuals. It's also true of us, and I think it's more valuable today for us to think of it, to step outside of our American individualism and think globally, even universally. The world is on a journey. The entire world is on a journey. Where is the world going? Or where in the world is the world going? As Christians, of course, we believe that God created this world, Genesis 1.1, and he has a plan, and this plan is set in stone uh, for the world. He has communicated to us where this world, as we know it, is going. We just read about it in Revelation 21. When you understand God's plan for the world, when you understand where we're going on this journey, you can better understand life uh, and what you should be doing and not be doing, what's important and what's not important. Understanding the end of the journey keeps you from making the wrong turns. And also, it helps you uh, avoid wasting your time and wasting your life. Just like if you're on a journey, uh, if you're going uh, to New Orleans, you're wasting your time if you head towards Mobile. You're going in the wrong direction. So knowing where you're going helps you not waste your time or your life. It also helps you cope with potholes in the road. And We dro drove through Jackson a couple of months ago, and, and I don't know of any place on earth that has more potholes than Jackson, Mississippi. It will rattle your teeth out of your head driving through Jackson. And we drove actually from Clinton uh, over to uh, northeast Jackson, and we drove straight across. And, uh, man, the potholes and the roads are terrible there. And as you're driving, you think, well, I must be on the wrong road. There's, there's so many potholes, and surely this can't be right. But we knew where we were going, and we didn't mind the potholes too much. We complained about them along the way. But you, you knew where you were going, so you, you stayed steady. But have you ever been on a journey and you, you weren't exactly sure how to get there and you got on a road that didn't seem all that good and you thought, well, maybe I am on the wrong, surely I'm on the wrong road. It, this, this road can't be right. It's, it's not a very nice road. Well, isn't life that way? Sometimes you are traveling along and uh, you hit a rough patch in your life and you think, this can't be right. I must be going in the wrong direction in my life. To, to have all these potholes and this, this bad road that I'm traveling. Well, when you understand where the destination is, the potholes don't matter so much. Yeah, they're difficult, and they might rattle the teeth out of your head, and they might uh, ruin the, the alignment of your car, but you're, you're steady heading in the right direction. The same is true of life. When we understand where this world is going, it helps us. And as Christians, we believe that God created this world he has this plan. He's carrying this plan out. And we look to the Bible to answer all these questions about the story of the world, the journey that the world is on. A Christian should know the answer to all these questions. It will help you along the way. And if you don't know where you're going, like we said a while ago, you will always feel lost and you will struggle to, to understand the purpose for the world, the purpose of your life. It's true of us as individuals. It's also true of us as a church. We need to understand what in the world 
is this world coming to? And what is our part in this journey? And how can we as individuals uh, you know, live our lives in tune with what God's doing in the world? How can we as a church uh, exist and do what we do, being in tune with God's purpose? Let's say God's mission, because that's what we want to talk about, God's mission. What is his mission in the world? Well, there are four parts to the story of the world. There's the creation, which we read about. There's also the fall, when sin entered the world in Genesis 3. There's, there's a redemption in history, what God did about the fall, and then ultimately what we read about, the new creation. Now, I want you to notice that the story of the world begins in Genesis 1 with creation. Well, you, you say, thank you, Captain Obvious. Of course it begins there. But also notice that it doesn't start in Genesis 3 with the fall, when sin entered the world. But here's a third thing to notice. Also notice that the story ends with the new heavens and the new earth. Revelation 21. It does not end with Revelation 20. If you look at Revelation 20, it's all about Judgment Day. So the story of the, the world does not begin with the fall and end with judgment. It begins with creation and ends with this new creation. As Christopher Wright uh, makes the point clearly for me, what I'm trying to say to you right now. The Bible is not just about the solution to our sin problem and how to survive the day of judgment. Okay? The Bible is about more than that. God's doing more than that. He is doing that. He is certainly uh, giving us a solution to our sin problem, and uh, he's, he's preparing us and making a way for us to survive on the day of judgment. But he's doing more than that. What is God doing in the world? Genesis 1 and 2 tells us about creation, that God created a good world, a beautiful world. He created man and woman. He instituted marriage he told the couple to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth. He also told them to have dominion over all the creatures, to have dominion over the entire earth and subdue it. And he placed the man and the woman in the garden and they were to work it and keep it, Genesis 1 and 2 tell us. So uh, this was before the fall. This is God's purpose for mankind when he originally created uh, humanity. They were to tend the garden, to work it and keep it. This was before sin entered the world. This was before Genesis 3 tells us uh, about the curse that was placed on the earth. God told Adam that he would work the earth and it will be pain and toil and sweat and he would be fighting the thorns and the thistles. So we're to assume that there were no thorns and thistles in the garden. What a joy uh, of gardening that would be, to not have to pull weeds and fight the thorns and thistles. So what would working in the garden before the fall look like? What would it be to have a, a garden that was perfect and not cursed? Well, I, I don't know exactly, but I would have to assume that it had something to do with uh, arranging things and maybe classifying names. You know, Adam named the animals... And uh, he probably arranged the garden and made it beautiful. I'm sure it involved some pruning, uh, cutting back some of the things that were growing, and uh, arranging them in a way that would, it would improve it and make it even more beautiful and not just things growing uh, out of control. So that's what uh, Adam was doing in the garden before the fall. And that's important to note, and we'll come back to that in a moment. 
Then the fall. Genesis 3 describes the fall for us. Man ate the forbidden fruit. Sin entered the world. The earth was put under a curse. Thorns and thistles entered into our experience. Sweat of the brow, labor. Uh, Things were difficult. And we see laid out for us from Genesis 3 on to Genesis 11 all the effects of the fall when sin entered the world. The sad, sorry effects of what Adam and Eve did there in the Garden of Eden. Murder, rebellion against God. Uh, Genesis 6 tells us the thoughts and intentions of the heart of mankind was only evil all the time. We see uh, nations divided, language groups divided against one another. War coming in. And then the flood as a sign to us that God is going to judge sin. But a little glimmer of light there that he's going to preserve this earth. He's not going to destroy it again through the flood. And here's where we begin to see what God is doing in the world. He does not abandon or destroy his creation. He doesn't just do a do-over. And we played baseball uh, when I was a kid. I had a nice large backfield, uh, a backyard with a, uh, a baseball field laid out and uh, a nice fence where as we were younger it was just we could just barely hit it over the fence if we got a good one so it was a perfect size third base was a pecan tree and of course sometimes and that's where the field was shorter so you know you would try to pull it over there because you could hit it over the fence easier to left field but sometimes there would be controversy because you know we didn't have the lines marked out we didn't have a foul pole we just had a pecan tree So when the controversies came and the arguments lasted for 20 minutes or however long, and finally you just say, okay, let's do a do-over. Just do it all over. God could have done that with the world. He could have said, they've they've messed it all up. They're only evil all the time. I'm going to do a do-over. But he didn't do that. No, he does not abandon or destroy his creation. Rather, he chooses to redeem it and restore it. And that's what he's all about. Genesis 3 tells us that he's going to do so by sending a redeemer into the world. That's the first glimpse that we get in Genesis 3. He's going to send somebody along the way who's going to crush the evil, crush the head of Satan, and who's going to redeem his people. The mission of God in this world is that in his sovereign love, he has purposed to bring this sinful, broken creation to the redeemed world of his new creation. Everything that was broken by the fall, he's going to fix it. And one day, we're going to be in that place that we read about in Revelation 21, the new heavens and the new earth. No more crying, no mourning, no sin. We're with God. You know, when God was in the garden uh, before the fall, he, he, he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. He had face-to-face fellowship with Adam and Eve. We're going to have that in the new heavens and the new earth. That's what Revelation 21 tells us. This is what God is doing in the world. The curse will be ended. Nations won't be divided anymore. There will be a a unity of nations. We read about it in our call to worship. All the nations of the earth are going to come and worship God together. Every tongue, tribe, and nation will be united in worship to God in the new heavens and new earth. So God begins working that redemption in history. He begins by calling Abram in Genesis 12. He, the, the plan starts to get executed. He chooses a man. He says, look, uh, Abram, I want you to pack it up 
and I'm going to send you to a place. And he says there in Genesis 12, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And here's the kicker. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, that end game of all the nations united together in the new heavens and new earth, worshiping, it begins, that work begins with Abram. You, through you, I'm going to bless all the nations. It started with Abram. And then we see it played out in the Old Testament, uh, how it's, uh, God builds this people for himself. Uh, he... he uh, he, he forms Israel. He makes promises to David. And to, he, he gives the law to the people of Israel through Moses. Uh, then Christ comes, the culmination of history. And all that God has promised, he sends that Redeemer into the world uh, to, to secure redemption and to bring new life through his resurrection. So he's executing his plan. And now uh, the nations are being gathered the first century church, the big controversy was, should we let the Gentiles in? Absolutely. That's what the promise to Abraham was. You're going to be a blessing to the nations. So God is reaching out to the world, and he is building his church, his kingdom in the world. He's bringing in the nations to join in this uh, worship of God, loyalty to God, to become his people. That's where God is taking the world. And we see this new creation, Revelation 21. That's the end game. That's where it's headed. That's where we're going. And God has provided a way to make that possible through Christ. Now the question this morning, how does this affect our mission? See, the quote on the front of the bulletin, I love that quote from Chris Wright. He says, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission, to bring about a redemption, uh, to bring about renewal. That's what we should be all about. And that encompasses not just foreign missions, but our lives. If we are his people, if we are his children, we are uh, part of that mission. We should be a part of this great uh, purpose that God is carrying out in the world to bring redemption and renewal. Now, of course, we don't redeem people or renew them. We, we uh, share with them the good news of redemption, how Christ has secured that. And we work like Adam and Eve in the garden when they rearranged and, and, and made things good and they, they used their gifts uh, to make the world a beautiful place. See, it encompasses the whole world. So our work can be included in that. We don't have to be foreign missionaries to be involved in God's mission. We can work in such a way as to bring about renewal, uh, uh, to bring about redemption into people's lives. And that's what God calls us to. We need to be a part of what God is doing in and with this world, of the, of the redemption and the renewal. What has God given to you uh, in the way of gifts and abilities and opportunities? What has he given to you so that you can be a part of what he's doing in the world? Be a part of what God is doing in the world. Now, when we talk about missions, when we talk about God's mission, we can talk about those three things that we always talk about. You know, we can talk about going, 
We can talk about giving, or we can talk about praying. Every missions conference you hear, that's mentioned somewhere or another. I want to change the G to a D in going. Uh, Some people need to go. They need to represent us all over the world, but everybody can't go all over the world, and that's surely not God's purpose for everybody. I mean, if everybody went somewhere else, that would be kind of funny, wouldn't it? If everybody in America went to another country, and everybody in other countries came to America, I mean, we'd just be swapping places. So somebody has to go, somebody has to be there, somebody has to be here. And there are things to be done here, as well as things to be done there. And God calls some people to do that, and maybe God's calling you to do that. I don't know. He called me to do that for a time. We went to England. But God's called me to be here now. And God has called you to be here now, because you're here. And he's in control of all things. So are you using your gifts for his kingdom? Are you using your opportunities and what you can do for renewal and redemption? So not going, but doing. See, I'm just changing the G to a D. So we can all do something. We all have gifts and abilities. So when we talk about missions, what are you doing? Are you, are you doing something to further God's purpose in the world, is what I'm saying. Now giving. We have the faith promise. It's the opportunity uh, to have people represent us to every tongue, tribe, and nation. God is doing this thing. He is building his church in the world, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And, and we want to be a part of that, and we are a part of that. And everybody who's a Christian should be a part of that, part of spreading the word, you know, giving money to help people go and do. So I want to encourage you to do that today. You have the faith promise brochure. You have the faith promise form. Fill it out. Turn it in. It doesn't matter if it's a very small amount. Every, every bit counts. Every bit goes to the missionaries, and it helps the, the spread of the gospel to every kingdom, tongue, tribe, and nation. And then finally, praying. Let us pray. You know, we prayed this morning. We, we, we had a missionary prayer this morning. We prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's purpose in the world. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. This earth, he's going to renew it. He's going to recreate it. And, and he's going to dwell there forever. His kingdom is going to come, and his will is going to be done in that day that we read about in Revelation 21. It's going to look like Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5 and following. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beyond anything that we could imagine. So we need to pray that God would do that, to bring it about, and, and that he would use us in bringing about that. In Second Peter 3, it tells us that, that, uh, that we can uh, wait for that day and we can also hasten the coming day of God. Hey, we can make it come faster, is what it's saying there. I don't know how that works. God's got a day. I'm sure he's got it pinpointed on the calendar. But when we work, we're bringing it about. We're being part of it. We're allowed to be part of it. What a great privilege that is. So pray. Do. Give. Be a part of this mission. Not only that we're doing in other parts of the world, but what we're doing here. What are we doing here? Because most of us are people who are going to be right here on the Gulf Coast. We need to go and bring redemption and renewal to all the people, especially those who who have no idea who may be completely different from us, but as people from every tongue, tribe, nation, and walk of life who will be there in that kingdom. And let's invite them in. Consider how you can be a part 
of God's mission in the world. Let's pray together.